podcast episode 051. You're seen to chat about life, family, and of course, Humphreys McGee. I'm Sarah Jahiniak, podcast host, writer, mom of three, wife, and total umfreak. Are you prepared for what comes next? Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the show. I hope that you were able to check out last week's episode which featured a recap of the band's recent stop at the Charlotte Shout Festival. There is a link in the show notes where you can give that a listen if you'd like to. This week's episode will be airing after summer camp, but was actually recorded before it so that I could get home and focus on getting back into quote-unquote normal life with my kids. So my recap of all of the amazing out-of-this-world stuff that went down during that weekend will be coming to you next week, June 4th, and you're definitely not going to want to miss that. Of course, I must bring up the very exciting and very awesome and honestly blew my mind when I heard it. News from Umphreys. If you've not heard, the band will be playing next year, March 20th, 21st, and 22nd, 2020, in Reykjavik, Iceland, at the Eldborg Concert Hall Herpa. I believe that's the way that we kind of say that whole thing. But yes, The band is, in fact, playing in Iceland. I still trying to wrap my mind around this whole thing and trying to wrap my mind around the fact that my husband and I are going to Iceland. No, I never thought in my wildest dreams that we would be going there and seeing Umphreys there. So this is just absolutely amazing and exciting. The building where they're going to be playing the show looks absolutely beautiful. And when I was looking up some information about it, apparently the building has this really distinctive colored glass facade on it. The pictures are amazing on the inside, too. It's like red and everything. I mean, it's just it's going to be absolutely just out of this world. Um, apparently the acoustics are amazing inside of there and the building has won awards for architecture. It's just absolutely amazing. The shows inside this building are going to be once in a lifetime out of this world experience. And as if seeing Umphreys in Iceland was not enough. The shows are actually going to be taking place during the peak Aurora Borealis viewing season. So you'll be able to see the Northern Lights while you're there. There's volcanoes and geysers and hot springs and glaciers and all sorts of shit. Like I am just, I can't even, (laughs) I'm so excited to go and experience this country everything that it has to offer. Um, It's just, I'm so blown away by this opportunity to travel. And I mean, for them, I can only imagine how they feel being able to play in Iceland. Um, Forbes magazine actually said that Iceland was one of the 21 most beautiful places 
in the world. I just, I cannot wait to view that beauty with my own eyes. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And once again, I'm very grateful for Umphreys because I never myself would have had the initiative to step outside of my comfort zone and travel to Iceland. Um, So thanks to them, I'm going to be seeing a part of the world that I never, ever thought that I was going to see. So thank you very much, Umphreys, for, you know, putting this together. It's going to be an amazing weekend and an amazing time with my husband. And of course, getting to see all of my Ump family in Iceland. It's just going to be absolutely amazing. And of course, um, VIP has the hookup. There um, are packages with or without hotels. Um, there's also different days, different amount of days you can stay depending on, you know, if you want to do the touristy thing before or after. Um, so much stuff. Tickets for pre-sale and um, VIP packages go on sale Wednesday, May 29th at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, And the public on sale for this is Friday, May 31st. So if this is something that you want to do, definitely get your ducks in a row and make it happen. All of the information about this run can be found in the show notes. And I will also link some information about the venue in the show notes as well. So you can check out this amazing venue. And seriously, guys, you're definitely not going to want to miss these shows. So whatever you got to do to get in the plane and get to Iceland, this is going to be amazing. I am super excited to see all of you in Iceland spring 2020. For this episode, I am very pleased to be bringing you my next guest, my dear friend, fellow umfreak, mom, and advocate, Julie Hyam. If you know Julie, you may have an idea of why I asked her to be on this program. Today, she will be talking about a very serious and not talked about enough subject, parental alienation. This is something that her and her husband sadly deal with every single day. And after talking to her more, have started to piece together some parts of my own childhood and have unfortunately discovered that some of the same things that are happening to her stepchildren happened to me and my brother growing up. Um, I will admit some of that was very hard to digest at first, but it has been very nice to have Julie to listen to me talk about my experiences and connect me with other people that have and are dealing with the same thing. And the greatest thing in the world is knowing that you're not alone in what you dealt with or are dealing with. Um, I'm very, very grateful to Julie for taking the time to be on the show and talking about this difficult subject. And I also want to thank her husband, Michael, for allowing his story to be shared with all of you. I'm really looking forward to sitting down with both of them in Denver 
and sharing some more of my stories and hearing more about their stories and just really connecting um, on a different level. And before we get into all of this, I just want to urge you that if you know someone who is dealing with this, or maybe it's you, or it was you when you were a child, know that you're not alone, and there is nothing wrong with you. Julie shares some amazing information and amazing resources, and there is a bunch of links in the show notes for you if you would like to research this whole subject much further. And even if you have not been affected by this or don't know anyone that has been affected by this, you really should look into this subject and really start to see what is going on with our children, these innocent children that do not deserve to be alienated from a parent that truly loves them. So I'm very excited to bring this conversation to you guys. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So without further ado, here is my chat with fellow Umfreak, mama, and advocate, Julie Hyam. Enjoy. Hi. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you now. Good. Is that better? <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, it always reminds me of that stupid commercial when you're trying to, um, you know, connect at first, and it's like, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Always, and you always feel like such a jackass. <laughs> I know, and I always feel like iPhones don't help at all because there's, like, that awkward, like, if you if you say hello too fast, the person doesn't hear you, yep. and apparently I'm a, I'm a quick hello, so <laughs> anyways. I am too. I'm just, uh, you're, no, you're good. Like, you can chat as much as you want. I'm actually just trying to make sure my shit's recording. Oh, okay, cool. There we go. We're good. Okay. My computer is okay. old. That is going to be the first thing I upgrade for the podcast for sure because. <laughs> I'm just so motivated by you, Sarah. Like, it's incredible because we talked about this before you started this and look how far you've come. So you're, like, you're incredibly motivating and I'm, like so happy for you that you you've gotten to do um, as much of this as you and you like when we thought this was an idea and like how many episodes are you on now? Um, let me see. Harlan's was forty six. Yeah. Okay. And like that's crazy. That's insane. That's amazing. I Great know. job. I was just thank you. Like I was just talking to my husband about this because it'll be a year May first, and it like. I don't know, it just blows my fucking mind. Like, it's so, like, weird and surreal and, like, it makes sense at the same time. Like, I don't know, it's like a whole, like, weird thing. (laughs) But you did it. That's so awesome. I know, I know. Like, I think, and for me, like, like, I never did the college thing, you know? So for for Mm -hmm. me, like this is kind of like the only thing that I've really accomplished in my life that wasn't around my children. So it's like, fuck yes. You know, like this is, well, I'm like really honored that you asked me to be a part of it. I can't even tell you how many times I've talked about this with my 
friends and family. And, um, I mean, I just, Michael and Michael, my husband and I have just really, um, it means a lot to us that you asked me to come and talk about this because obviously Umphreys means a lot to us. And, um, but this is obviously a huge, um, it's a huge issue. And I think that, um, a lot of people don't know about it. And I think it's important to talk about. Absolutely. I completely agree. And, um, you know, that's my goal with this show too, is to not even talk about Umphreys, um, but, you know, to bring light to some hard subjects that happen in parenting and in life and, you know, kind of bring people together in a different way, not just liking to party and, and see this music, but yeah. to get to the deep core of it and realize, you know, how human we all are and, and, and what's really going on. And, you know, maybe there's someone who's not even affected by what we're going to talk about, but we'll still be like, oh my God, I still want to advocate for this. You know what I mean? Because maybe they weren't aware of, of what's going on. So, um, that's, I'm excited. that's huge. And, and that's like a big part of it too, for me, because I didn't even know that parental alienation existed or was a thing. Um, until I had to deal with, um, you know, having co-parenting, like, like my, my parenting situation is very different from my husband's, um, co-parenting situation, i.e. I have a co-parenting situation. My ex-husband and I get along really great. Um, we're actually better as, um, co-parents as we were, than we were when we were married. Mm -hmm. Um, we get along really well and we share time with our son really well and, um, like on Christmas morning, everybody gets together and celebrates Christmas morning at our house where the house where my son primarily lives, mm-hmm. um, for him, you know, it's not about us or getting along or anything else. It's about that. It's my son's Christmas, our son's Christmas, and mm-hmm. we want him to be happy, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. but you know, that's very different than what Michael deals with. So, um, you know, Michael and I, uh, I'm divorced, Michael's divorced and, we are both on our second marriage, and um, when Michael and I got together in 2014, I knew that he had children. That was never anything he hid from me. I mean, we just, we're just not like that. But, um, you know, his children now are 20 and 17, and he has not spoken to them in eight years, not for lack of trying on his part, but because um, the other parent, their mother that they live with has alienated them successfully from their father. Um, what does that mean? So, um, I, I went ahead and I took, <laughs> I made the, I made some notes and things that I really wanted to make sure that I got out there because, um, the great thing about the Umphreys community and the, the wonderful opportunity that you've provided me today is that, um, Umphreys, the Umphreys fans are very, um, accepting. And I think it's made it easier for us. Like, this is not an easy subject in any stretch of the imagination. Like, there's no easy way to talk about this. It took us years of being able to speak about this without becoming emotional. I mean, I still get emotional, but it's just a practice of how you um, express that. And um, so it was almost like a coming out of, you know, like, this is our situation. And I don't mean to, I'm not trying to compare situations with anybody else. I'm just saying that's how it felt. Because um, when you're, when you're a parent, um, they call it a target parent. So there, when you're in a high conflict divorce situation, and there's a child who is um, essentially uh, the center of that conflict, there's usually um, a 
person, a parent who is the alienator, the one who is disparaging the other parent, and the other parent is considered the target. And so for sake of um, language in this podcast, I'm just going to refer to the two parents as, you know, the alienator and the target. Um, and, and usually the parent with primary custody is the alienator, and the, the goal is to eliminate um, the target from the child's life so that they can have complete control over everything pertaining to the child regarding education, medical decisions, um, and ultimately to a lot of a lot of the goal um, for a lot of mothers um, and some fathers, unfortunately we see a lot more mothers doing this, um, is to erase and replace and put a new father or stepfather in that father role um, and almost act like the original father never even existed. So. What does that do to the psyche of a child, right? How does that really affect a child? Um, there's a lot of ways, and so that's kind of what I wanted to go over. Um, but I wanted to start with a really scary fact that also ties into this, which is 21 fathers a week take their own lives due to child access issues. That is 21 fathers a week, Sam, 21. There is a so, – yeah, yeah. And – so suicide, everyone talks about suicide, right? Um, it affects the Umphreys community. It affects a lot of different communities. It affects the, fami the family um, unit, especially in situations of high-conflict divorce. Now, would you rather have a parent in your life, even if it's for four days a month, that, than ever? I mean, for, for me, mm -hmm. I would. Mm -hmm. um, so if you... My my overall call to everyone here is if you know someone who uses their child to hurt their ex or disparages their ex in front of the child that they created with that person, it is your responsibility as a human being to put them in check. Mm -hmm. Children are not pawns in a game of revenge. They are not they're not pieces to be manipulated or used, and they're not possessions. They're human beings. Mm -hmm. So if you chose to create a child, it is your responsibility to figure out how to coexist with the person you created them with. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have some strategies um, so about how to co-parent with a narcissist because research has shown that parents who do alienate their children from the other parent usually suffer from mental illnesses, things like narcissism, personal, um, sorry, narcissistic personality disorder or borderline personality disorders. Um, this is according to Ellis Lowenstein. These are not things that I, you know, I'm making up. This is all just a summary of research and things that I've put together for the podcast. But um, so narcissists um, chronically impose their own will on those around them. And so when that um, is an apparent-child relationship, um, the parent will set themselves as the decision-maker of what is acceptable and, and not without taking into consideration the needs of the child. Um, narcissist parents utilize trauma bonding, whether that's real or imagined trauma um, or manufactured trauma. So there will be often cases of false abuse um, or they will implant memories that um, of things that never happened into the children's um, head and then keep repeating these stories over and over and over until it almost becomes like the, ch the child experienced it themselves. Um, they do this in order to keep the child manipulated. Trauma bonding is uh, biological and emotionally uh, bonding to the person who is most destructive to you. Um, it's called, kind of like a Stockholm syndrome sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's addictive. Um, it's a form of conditioning and grooming, and it, it almost makes the children lean into the abuse because 
children, I mean, let's face it, you have children, I have children. Mm -hmm. If you tell your kids to do something and you tell them in that authoritative voice, what are they going to do? Right. Right. They're going to do what they're told to do because you're, you're their mother and that's what they know. Mm -hmm. That's, that's just children. That's just right. basic child psychology. Right. And if you're um, telling them over and over, they're going to believe you because you're in this position of authority. I say power because that sounds bad, but you are in the eyes of your parent, you know, of your child, you know, their mother, yep. you know, she knows everything when you're a kid, basically, you know, so you believe what she says. It, Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think about it when I was a child and, you know, we didn't have the internet. Okay. I'm not that old. I'm not, I'm not 40, but I'm not saying 40 is old. I'm just saying just for perspective. Okay. I'm not even 40. We didn't have the internet, but I still believed every single thing that my mom said. And even if I learned something at school and I took it home and my mom said it wasn't what my friend said, I would believe my mom over my friends if that made any sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, another strategy that is regularly employed by alienating parents is something called triangulation and triangulation involves turning people against each other for the purpose of preventing people um, from comparing stories that would reveal what the abuser is doing. So by creating conflict between family members and friends, the alienator can actually continue their abuse um, amongst children. Um, they take family members and often um, will, give conflicting stories to different family members to create that conflict, to turn against each other, um, often to create a scapegoat situation. Um, and a lot of times their goal is to make the person who is trying to speak out against the abuse appear crazy. So if you're trying to speak up or say, I have a, you know, this isn't right, or, you know, um, you're trying to voice your concerns about the way you're being treated, um, you'll be told you're crazy, your words will be twisted, things like that. Um, a narcissist parent or an alienating parent believes that their brood, their family, their children should be around them at all times because these children aren't capable of living their lives without this parent. That's what, that's what they truly believe. Um, this is similar to like a bird who doesn't force the chicks out of the nest because they don't want them to fly. Um, they need this sense of being needed almost. Um, if a child of a narcissist is capable of getting away and growing up, um, they'll become an enemy to the parents uh, because no one is allowed to leave the nest unless it is to do their bidding. So it's very, um, it's a very deep, um, seated, like control power situation. And, and once you, you break the trust or express that you are no longer under their control, it's beware, beware of the wrath of the narcissist. And this is something that um, is out there on multiple psychologist websites. And um, this particular information came from uh, transformative psychology, uh, I'm sorry, transformative psych psychotherapy LLC. I do want to throw some um, information out there to let people know that again, I'm not just inventing this. This is all coming from verified sources. Um, another, another little bit of information I just wanted to put out there for people to keep, um, you know, front of mind, people that don't know about alienation don't know, you know, well, how can I prevent it? How can I, how can I help? What can I do? You know, I can step, I can say something to, you know, Jane, if she's, you know, bashing Billy in front of her kid, but I can't, you know, what can I, what can I really do? What can I look out for? Well, here's some major red flags. Um, and this is something that, you know, you might want to even get 
local authorities involved in because this is something that needs to be documented. Um, blocking phone calls or any contact, um, limiting, ceasing, or sabotaging contact, um, hiding or returning mail and gifts. This happens to my husband all the time. Um, he has not had a functioning phone number for his children in years, and um, she, his ex-wife is currently in violation of court orders for not providing it to them, but there's I mean, we can ask them to enforce it over and over and over again. But um, like I said, there's a gender bias in the courts. And so she just continues to get away with it because, um, you know, we asked, we asked the order to be enforced. Um, they, they will go and say, you have to do it. And she'll say, okay, I'll do it. And then we wait a month and nothing happens. Lather, rinse, repeat. It's, it's, there's really no way um, to, to force people to comply with the court order um, and that's part of the problem, unless you're going to actually throw them in jail for not providing a phone number. And, and I think that there really needs to be some better follow through with that. Um, and that goes that goes to a little bit of a different tangent about, um, you know, how the system is broken. But um, back to the red flags, um, you know, the disparaging the other parent, that's that's the big one. And that's the one that's going to happen in public the most um, threatening legal action for things that aren't really like you know if you're late one more time i'm just going to call my lawyer and and take your visitations away altogether like like what you know that's like mm -hmm. things that are ridiculous that don't deserve legal action things like that mm -hmm. um moving out of state or moving without any forwarding address or notice um and then here's the big one um that most parents that i know that are experiencing this this is their first red flag not informing the parent of the child's school activities, medical appointments, and extracurriculars. Um, my my stepchildren were removed from public education, pulled out of the school system because my uh, husband's ex-wife forged had her new husband forge his name on the homeschooling paperwork. So wow. that means. Yeah. So my husband was actually very actively involved in his children's life. He would go to the school and chaperone field trips. He would pick them up, drive them to and pick them up from school every single day. Um, he would go to their lunches. You know how you can go and drop in on lunches and eat lunch with your kids at school. He would do that all the time. Um, so they knew him at the school. So when the stepfather showed up and posed as my husband and, and forged his name on the, these papers, Everyone in that room knew that it was not my husband named Michael Hyam. Everyone knew. And everyone let him get away with it. And they pulled these kids out of the school, and they have not seen the inside of the school since they were 8 and 12 years old. Wow. I, yeah. I can't even believe that that's, like, my, yeah. my and, son's high school gives me such a hard time when I'm taking him out early for a dentist appointment. And, like, I'm the only yeah. person that's ever signed him out ever, and they still are, like, you know, need to know, call the house. Like, it that blows my mind. Yeah, we're talking about Marshall Middle School in Marshall, Michigan. So this is a suburb of Battle Creek. Um, and Principal Turner is actually the one who, um, you know, and I, I'm putting these names out there. If these people are okay with their actions, then they should be okay with their consequences. Um, mm -hmm. Principal Turner is still the principal. He is is still there. He refuses uh, to have any contact. And I'm sure that this is completely at the direction of the alienator. So, you know, won't have any contact. They won't provide any school records. Um, they won't provide any medical records. The, the hospital 
uh, and doctor where um, my stepchildren are seen will not provide any medical records. They are being, um, we're taking all of them to court for all of that. Um, so we've been, we've spent years and I mean, tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. um, over the last several years trying to simply gain a, a, like a phone number or some sort of information to help these kids because um, they're currently living in a rundown house um, with a mother who has never held a job a day in her life, um, who has Munchausen's that was given to her courtesy of her mother, um, you know, who's doing all of these things. And, you know, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but it's not going to help anybody. Um, the point is, is that if you don't intervene immediately, if you don't recognize the red flags immediately, the harder it is to reel it back. And I understand that it's expensive. Believe me, I understand that it's expensive. But if anyone, and I'm putting this out there to anyone, if anybody has questions, needs support, I'm on Twitter. My name is, it's at HiamJulieL, H-I-G-H-A-M-J-U-L-I-E-L. Contact me on Twitter. Please reach out to me. I will be a resource for you. I will help you. I will be there to listen. Um, There's no parent that needs to go through this alone. And you are not alone. And it is not your fault, no matter what the alienator is trying to convince you. There are resources. There's a wonderful website called parentalalienationspeaks.com that tells you about all different kinds of resources available in your state um, and connects you with other alienated parents. And there's also in Frankfort, Kentucky on October 5th, there is a parental alienation conference um, that I plan to go to, um, and there's going to be a bunch of speakers there. Um, Dr. Craig Childers is going to be here there, who is one of the most um, renowned speakers on alienation. Um, and it's just going to be a good way, I think, to, I hate to say commiserate, because I think that's a negative word, but um, I think maybe support um, and just kind of embrace other parents and just know, like, hey, um, you're not alone, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that's really the first step is to raise our collective conscious and raise our voices and um, put our heads together because, I mean, if we think back 50 or 60 years ago about spousal abuse, mm-hmm. think about the, um, the stigma around domestic violence and spousal abuse. Mm-hmm. It was a lot different than how it is now. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more rules and, and laws and, I mean, it's come, it's come further. It needs to come more, even further than that. Mm-hmm. But it, it has come some way. And I would like to see that happen for parental alienation. And I think that it's our generation that has to be the one to do it. Um, It's not going to be our parents' generation because, unfortunately, they did the best they had with what they, they, the best they did, you know what I'm trying to say, they did the best they could with what they had. Right. And now it is up to us to improve on that and do better. Right. We can only, we can only do better when we know better. And now we know better. Absolutely. Um, And so when you're reaching out to an alienated child, the things that you need to keep in mind is that, um, you know, an alienated child believes, like, without a shadow of a doubt, they believe that their abusive parent is their protector and that this parent is wonderful to protect them from a monster. And only when they have a little maturity and a little distance from the situation and that mask slips a little bit, will they see it one day. It's going to take time. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest part for an alienated parent the time because you can't get that back. It's stolen from you. It it literally is stolen from you and you cannot get it back. Mm -hmm. But 
the reason that the, a child doesn't know that what's happening is because that they've been brainwashed. And the reason that they don't know that they've been brainwashed and lied to and conditioned is because they've been brainwashed and lied to and conditioned. And so it's like this horrible cycle um, that keeps going over and, and over again. And, um, you know, I can, I can go over the tactics again, and there's a lot of different tactics and things that ways to break down the relationship. But what I really would like to focus on are ways to, to build it up. Um, Brendan Bayless said, there are three sides to every story. And I think everyone knows what he, he means. He means yours, mine, and the truth. Those are the three sides. Mm-hmm. So if you're an alienated child and anything that I've said to you in, in, on this podcast resonates or sounds even slightly vaguely familiar, mm-hmm. know that it's not your fault. And the pain, if you're feeling pain, it is not caused by the parent that you don't have contact with. It's probably caused by the parents that alienated you from that person. And know that true parental love is unconditional. Because no matter how long it has been since you spoke to your alienated parent, I promise you they would love to see your face or hear your voice or get some sort of message from you. They never stop loving you ever, ever. There's not, I look at my husband, Sarah, there's not a moment in the day that he doesn't wish that he could text his kids or pick up the phone and call them. We have a picture of them on our mantle. We think of them every single day, every day. My son has step, a stepbrother and a stepsister that he has never met. He knows their names. He knows that they live in Michigan with their mom. And, you know, how do you explain that to a little boy? How do you explain why he can't meet his stepsister? Well, I'll tell you why we explained to him, um, you know, how we share our time with the people that we love. And he said, yes. And at the time when I explained to him, he was about six. Um, I said, you know how we share our time with people that we love? We share our time with daddy and grandma and papa and, you know, our aunties and uncles and everybody. He said, yeah. Like looked at me, like, stop explaining mom. I know what you're talking about. And I said, I said, well, you know, um, Nathan and Rebecca's mommy doesn't know um, how to share time. And so she didn't teach them how to share time. And so that's, that's why we don't get to see them as much as we would love to see them because they don't know how to share time yet. But they're going to learn someday, and then we'll be able to have more time with them. And would you know that his little six-year-old self, I'm going I'm to get emotional, I'm sorry, um, he got, <laughs> he, his little eyes filled up with tears, and he started to cry. And he said, that's very sad, Mommy. I said, yeah, honey, it is, it is very sad. It is very sad. And he said, well, Michael must miss them very much. And I said, yes, he loves them and he misses them very much. So I hope that someday everybody who misses someone that they love very much has the courage to pick up the phone or send an email because I guarantee you, your parent loves and misses you just as much as you love and miss them. Unconditional love doesn't doesn't control it doesn't have power and it doesn't try and tell you who to have relationships with it doesn't mm-hmm. hurt mm-hmm. it's impossible to love someone and control them at the same time mm-hmm. so you know the damage of the parental alienation um, is really impacting um, it impacts their lives forever mm-hmm. um, these children will grow up with t- tremendous confusion about what love is because their parents did some very unloving things to them in the name of love. 
Um, they came to understand love as something chaotic, dramatic, confusing, and probably very painful. Um, and ultimately, they really had to give up some of their own desires and dreams, probably, to to be, you know, in what is a loving parental relationship, so they think. Um, know that loving behavior doesn't grind you down, it doesn't keep you off balance, and it does not create feelings of self-hatred. A parent who loves you will let you love yourself fully, and that meaning that means loving all sides of yourself, however that looks. So know that it is impossible to love someone and control them at the same time. And if you think you're being emotionally manipulated, you'll know because people will be giving you ultimatums. They'll be giving you the silent treatment. They'll be playing the victim, guilting you, twisting your words. Mm -hmm. And you'll constantly feel like the life is sucked out of you when you're around them. And you'll feel like you're walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm. This is big, people. This is huge. If you recognize any of this, this is this is emotional manipulation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm not a therapist. I'm going to put that right out there. I'm not a therapist. I read a ton. I have been to many therapists. I um, do leadership trainings. I give leadership trainings. Um, so emotional intelligence is extremely important to me. And. I would encourage anybody who this resonates with to get with the therapist that they trust immediately because, um, you know, while I can help you, I, again, I'm not a therapist. I would love to be able to direct you to some resources, but um, know that not one drop of your self-worth depends on what anybody else thinks or says ever in your life, ever. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so, what's been very interesting is, like, talking to you anyway before, like, leading up to being on this show, you basically described my entire childhood with my mother. It blew my mind. Like, it all started to make sense. You, like, put all these pieces together for me for all these things, and it was it was amazing that I'm in my 30s, and it took me that long to realize what was really going on when I was younger. It's okay. You're ahead of the game. You know what? It, you you're doing great. And the fact that you're willing to even open up and talk about it, you inspire me because you give me hope for my stepkids that one day that they will reach out to my husband and realize, hey, maybe maybe there's more to the world than Marshall, Michigan. And maybe there's more to the world than the gospel according to mom. Mm-hmm. And maybe there, maybe there is three sides to every story. Mm-hmm. And you know what gives me hope about my stepdaughter is that she's a huge music music fan. She loves Greta Van Fleet. She loves Led Zeppelin, um, Bowie. She she likes all of that stuff. So um, I really believe that through music, she'll find herself. She'll know this, and it'll resonate. Mm-hmm. It'll get to her soul. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to take maturity. And, you know, the fact that you are so successful and such a loving, wonderful mom to your kids now, despite what you've been through, is a testament to the fact that people can heal family lines, okay? You can be the person who breaks the cycle. Everyone out there listening to this right now, it can be you. Trauma cycles through family lines until there is someone in the family who is ready to do the work that it takes to heal it. Mm-hmm. And make no mistake, it is work. Mm-hmm. You, will be, you will be digging through some of the most traumatic, scarring, 
moments in your life, but when you do it, Mm -hmm. you're doing it for you to make sense of who you are Mm -hmm. and not what anyone told you you need to be or who you are. Mm -hmm. Don't give up on yourself. Do the work. Do it for yourself. If you choose not to have children, that's that's fine. If you choose to have children, that's fine too. But do the work for yourself because you have to live with yourself. And when you do the work for yourself, you, you automatically radiate goodness to the people in your, in your environment. Mm-hmm. So everyone's going to benefit from you working on yourself. Absolutely. Keep reaching out to your, to your kids on a regular basis. Make it clear you're not going anywhere, but do it with love. Mm-hmm. Always make sure that your message is love and that you'll never stop loving them. It's so hard not to be resentful and angry for the time that was stolen from you. It's horribly hard. I understand. Mm -hmm. But you have to focus on the fact that these babies were innocent. It wasn't their fault. And it wasn't your fault, Sarah, either. You know, you didn't know. You were just doing, you were were literally following the directions that were given to you on how to be a successful human. And you didn't know any better. And we all do the best we can with what we're given at the time. And that is what I have tried to explain to target parents over and over again. There are so many target parents that are out there crucifying themselves and self-flagellating over and over for, I should have done this different, or if I would have taken the kids when I left, it would have been a different decision. Make no mistake, it doesn't change the person you were married to. No matter what you would have done, that person was still a narcissist. That person was still going to abuse. That person still has their own issues. Mm-hmm. So please be gentle with yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and if you think that you have the, uh, the opportunity to co-parent, because this is, this is really where, where we have an opportunity. You know, if you, if, if you can work on a relationship with somebody that you had a child with um, and you can really put the past behind you, that was really what I did. When I got divorced, me and my ex decided that, you know, we had 11 years together. That was a long time. Mm-hmm. We looked at each other and we said, you know, if we want to sling crap at each other for the next 50 years, it would be real easy to do that. But what kind of life would that be? Mm-hmm. What kind of life would that be for our son? We, we aren't that kind. That's not the kind of people we are. We want to enjoy. We want to just be happy. We just want to live and, and enjoy life and be happy. And that's totally possible. It is totally possible to co-parent. So how do you do that? How, how do you successfully co-parent. Okay. So there's no recipe. There's no one recipe because everybody's different, but I think there's a couple key strategies that can really help. Um, and I use, um, the acronym co-parent to help me remind, to help remind me of the strategies that I need to remember. And so the C is communicate, always communicate directly with the other parent, never use the child as a messenger. That's how things get taken out of context and twisted and kids are, Mm -hmm. kids are kids. Like, do you use your child as a messenger to their teacher? No. (laughs) So why would you use a child as a messenger to their other parent? Just don't do it. Um, Okay, so communicate. The O is operate. Operate as a team. Um, It's funny that that's actually um, what I call us. Uh, My son's name is Carter, so I call us Team Carter. Um, If you ask him who his parents are, he'll tell you he has a mom and two dads, which is really funny to watch people try and figure out, like, how that works. Um, because what he means is he has a mom and a dad and a stepdad and that's what he means. But like, 
Um, there are times that, you know, I can't go to a school function because I have a work event in the evening. And so his stepdad and his dad will go together. That's a team that's operating as a team. Um, that's, I don't expect everybody to be able to do that, but you know, if you have to operate, um, you have to function in a way so that your child is happy. And however that means, however that looks to you for your team, make sure that you're operating as a team and you're communicating with your team. Um, the P is picking and choosing your battles. I think everybody kind of knows what that means. Sometimes it's better to bite your tongue and sometimes it's important to communicate about it. So is it really something that's going to be important in five minutes, five days or five years? That's the rule of five. Um, and then arrange a short, a short and custodial exchange to keep things pleasant. If you think that it's like, don't get me wrong. It's, it's not like it's every custodial exchange that I have with my ex is like, Hey, how's it going? How's your life? What's new? How's your job? Like, no, that is not how it is, you know, but mm-hmm. we respect each other and we, re- we love our son. So I make sure that we just, you know, we do the brief update on, you know, this is what he's eaten. This is what he needs, you know, and also um, sometimes we find it easier to commu- communicate via text. Um, so that it, it makes those exchanges even a little bit shorter and that works for us. So as long as you communicate and make those arrangements in your communications, you're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, respecting the time that your kids have with the other parent, be on time with those drop-offs wherever possible. If you can't because of traffic, because life happens and that happens, just communicate about it. It's, and then, then don't be upset. If it happens, you know, if you're the person, if you're the person that's supposed to be getting your kid back at six and your kid comes back at 645, try to freak out about it because sometimes the server is a little slow or traffic is bad or whatever. You know, you have to be a little understanding and the other person has to also be understanding that they can't be pushing the, the deadline all the time. So um, it's just a it's just a general respect for the other person and a respect for the time that they have with the child, knowing that when you put pressure on the other parents, the child will feel that. Mm-hmm. So like my, my son, if I would, if I would get on my ex, like at the beginning when it was hard, the exchanges were hard and they were still, you know, when it's that first awkward exchange and you know, well, you're supposed to bring it back at six. They're going to be like, my kid is looking at me like, are you upset? Is he upset? He's looking at us and he's trying to figure out, should I be upset? Is everyone okay? They are looking at you and they are vibing off you. And it doesn't matter if they're five or if they're 15. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if they act like they don't care. They're vibing off you. Mm-hmm. So remember that. Mm-hmm. And then this is one that I, I had to um, really let go of some recovering Catholic guilt is um, enjoy, enjoy your time off. Um, when you don't have your kids because your kids are with their other parents, it is totally okay to go to an Umphrey show, raise your face off and be happy about it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like that's what I try to do because if I'm sitting at home just wondering what my son is doing, I'm just going to feel sad. So right. I know that he's totally taken care of and in great hands and he's going to come home in perfect condition. He's going to be fine. Right. So for those 48 hours, it's like I'm, I'm dating my husband for that weekend. We get to go, you know, we get to go on a date or we get to go, you know, like enjoy it. Do what makes you happy and take that as your R&R time to really make yourself like recharge your batteries so you can be a better parent for your child. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So N is never talk negatively about the other parent in front of your children. I feel like I keep beating that dead horse over and over and over again, but I cannot say it enough. And then finally, the T, take a time out to check your attitude and behavior. So recognize your own feelings. Um, if you are feeling some type of way towards your ex and you know it, like I'll put myself in time out and be like, I'm really mad that, that he didn't respond in the way that I thought he would about, um, you know, doing letting Carter go to summer camp, or I'm just making up an example because it's very rarely that at this point that we get to this point. But um, there are definitely times when I'm ticked off at him about something or other. And I literally will put myself in a, in a room and say, I need, I need 15 minutes. I'm just going to calm down right now, do what I need to do, meditate, yoga, et cetera. And just take it down a notch because I don't want to, I know myself and I know how I'm going to react. And I know that if, somebody says something, you know, or something happens, I'm just going to go off about something little that isn't what I'm actually mad about. So it's really important to take the time out to check your attitude and behavior for your child. I think that's just a normal parenting strategy in general, um, whether you're divorced or not. Um, you know, make sure that you're, you're remembering how your feelings and the way you express your feelings impacts your children because that's what you're teaching them and that's what you're, that's how they're going to, express their feeling later in life. Mm -hmm. So just remember that they're always learning from you. Um, and then I really just wanted to um, wrap it up with a reminder to be the person who breaks the cycle. Don't give up on yourself and, and know that you're not alone. Um, you know, children are not going to be children forever. They're not always going to be under the control of someone else. And the time that they have, um, when they're under an alienator's control is borrowed. Remember that when a, a person uses a child as a weapon, they won't have ammunition forever. So please remember that you're not alone. Any alienated parents, um, children, uh, you're always welcome to reach out to me. Um, again, my Twitter handle is at Chaim, Julie L H I G H A M, Julie J U L I E L. Um, and then Sarah, thank you so much. Is there any questions that I can answer for you? Um, well, first, anything that you have, um, I'll make sure to link it all in the show notes so everybody can get in contact with you. And anything that you shared, um, you know, we'll definitely put all that in there. Um, I don't have any questions in response to everything that you just talked about. I want to thank you, though, for being so open about everything that's going on with you and and like I said not only to bring light to a subject that so many people don't know about including myself like I my family is a blended family um and I've always parented the way that you know I thought was the right way you know obviously you share your time with this person this is what you do like I don't know the normal way I guess you know so I, right I yeah right assume there was any other way um, so I'm glad that you were able to bring light to that, but then also, you know, personally for me, it was, it's been a huge piece in knowing that it's not me. <laughs> I think that's the biggest, like, no. piece of it is I already knew, like, I already started to learn that it, it wasn't me, but then to kind of put the pieces together and kind of figure out where my mother was coming from and kind of almost look at it in a compassionate sort of way, like, oh, this is why she did the things she did. <laughs> like, you know, there's yeah, some understanding it, behind it. So, 
for sure. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of emotion, especially when you're realizing, you know, I think as we all come into our emotional intelligence, as, as you grow up, you know, um, it's, you develop your ego, your id, you know, all of those things. And then, you know, then once you become an adult, you start to um, expand your emotional intelligence a little bit. And you start to realize that, you know, your mom was more, for me, this is how it felt. It felt like, whoa, my mom was like a person more than just my mom. She had, she had relationships and, you know, experience. And she wore other hats besides just my mom. Right. So, yeah. Taking that into consideration and, um, you know, my parents are still married. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean that I didn't grow up with, you know, um, resentment for other things or, you know, that I think everybody has their own familial trauma in one way or another. I don't think any family is perfect, but I think that what our generation is focusing on is waking up to patterns that are unhealthy, mm-hmm. waking up to patterns that need to be changed and kind of um, reaching out to each other in a more supportive, loving way that allows us to really, really help one another and be healthy. Because I mean, I know that I, I talk, the more people that I talk to, especially in the Umbrace community, People aren't happy with what's happening in the world today. Mm-hmm. People aren't happy with what's happening in our country. Mm-hmm. So, guys, it's up to us. Why aren't we changing it? It's us. It is literally on us now. Like, mm-hmm. I understand we can have resentment and we can be angry and we can complain, but that's never going to change anything. Right. So my focus is, is going to be on, you know, education and trying to help people and less on you know, focusing less on the negative and more on what we can do to, you know, impact a positive change and, and bring more love into the world. Because honestly, there's just so much love lacking in so many places. So, um, I always figure I was not born this loud for no reason. So if I can help, if I can help in any way, um, I'm more than happy to do that. Awesome. Very awesome. Well, before we wrap it up, we got to switch gears and lighten it up a little bit. And talk about our favorite thing, of course, on Freeze Movie. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about um, the first time that you were introduced to them. Um, do you remember who it was specifically? Was there like a certain show? Yeah. What was your introduction? Oh, my gosh. So, okay, my first Umbree show was at the Canopy Club in Champaign-Urbana. It was a Valentine's show. I was in college. And um, I was, God, I think I was like, I must have been just 21. We were, um, I didn't go to U of I. I went to Marquette. And so my, my sorority sisters drug me down to U of I for Valentine's Day weekend. And we were bar hopping. And somebody, one of the girls said, there's some cute guys that are in a band that are playing at the Canopy Club. You should come. And I was like, is the music any good? They're like, I don't know, but the guys are cute. I was like, okay, cool. I'll go. <laughs> so, yeah, so that, that was my introduction to Umphrey. So um, that was my first show. And, you know, it was, I don't know if you've ever been to the University of Illinois, but um, it's kind of, especially back then in the early 2000s, it was kind of, well, maybe it was just me because that was my college experience. But it, I just remember it being all kind of a haze. And um, that particular that particular concert, I just remember walking in and going like, there's not a lot of girls here. This is really weird. I've never heard anything like this, but I wanted to stay, but like my friends wanted to bar hop and 
I was like, but how do you take me to a concert and not expect me to stay? Like, this is a, a, an event. Thing. This is like a full commitment thing. And they're like, no, we're just hopping through. Like, that's just what we're doing here. So um, my first Humphrey show, I don't even know, like, what songs I was there for. I don't, you know, it was, it was like a tease. It was like... So, and it's funny because they've been teasing me ever since. I'm still asking for words. <clears throat> so, Joel does listen to the show, so if there's anything that you want to nonchalantly put out there, you can go ahead. And oh, oh, okay. Well, yes. Well, I would like to say, um, you know, obviously, thank you for uh, the last 20 years of amazing music. But um, <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, that was my first show, but I've been to like 50 more since then. And um, actually, I think I might hit 50. In, it's either going to be Red Rocks or Indy this year. Nice. Um, parenting really slows down the touring, you know. For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, I think I think the thing that I loved most about, and still continue to love most about Umphreys, is not only the accessibility um, of of the musicians. I think that's like that's a gift, and I don't think that a lot of us really truly appreciate what like Joel and Chris. And I mean, everybody like Ryan, like these guys go on social media and Bayless, I'm leaving you out because you don't social media with us. So, um, yeah, but I mean, they really go out of their way to, mm-hmm. to interact with the fans and to know what we like. And to, I mean, that is not common. That is not something that any other band does. And we are so lucky as a fan base to have a band that actually gives a, not, not even gives a crap, like cares so much they truly do care about their fans i can't even count the number of times i've been on rail or close to rail that something has happened like i've gotten a drink spilled on me or somebody like there was actually it was uh just the anniversary of the minneapolis show that happened uh in 2015 you know that three-night run that was at first avenue Mm -hmm. in 2015 yeah that was one of my favorite runs of all time that run was just so sick um, at that show, I was right in front of Bayless, and this guy, I don't know, I don't know, he had to be, like, maybe in his early 20s or something, but he straight up passed out on me, like, like, fell forward onto me, like, I don't know if he fell, I don't think he fell asleep, I think he was, like, on something and passed out, but, um, so I had to, like, call security over, like, flag security over and, like, help him, you know, whatever, so I was really close in front of the stage, and what blew me away in that moment is, as soon as it was all dealt with and I looked back up at the stage, Bayless was looking at me, like making eye contact with me and he mouthed to me, are you okay? And I was and like, literally I had to pick my jaw up off the floor because he was in the middle of shredding bridgeless at the exact same time. He just asked me if I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And he's shredding like, <laughs> and, and I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> and he goes, smile. And I'm like, okay. So I just like continued on raging at that exact same time. I just realized I was like, holy crap. He saw that entire thing and he wanted to make sure that like we were good. Like he doesn't, he didn't know me really from any other fan at anybody at that point, but you just checked on me. Like, Mm -hmm. thanks dude. That was, that was solid. You know, all boils down to them just being good human beings. You know, and that's that's what it is. Like they're just good people to the core. You know, like yeah. And that's that's because their parents raised them right. I'll tell you that right now. So thank you to all of the parental units that raised these fine gentlemen because they're out there leading a great example. I mean, they really are. Mm -hmm. And um, and Brendan with the lyrics, and I told him this to his face before. Oh my God. 
Can we can we just talk about how I've literally grown up with this band, mm-hmm. and I'm only a couple of year I'm only a couple of years younger than them, so I'm in my late 30s, and um, I became a parent along with them, and you know I I got I got a, I got divorced not too long after Bayless, and you know like all of these things that he writes about, it's like him putting my feelings into the most eloquent eloquent wording that I could have never even put together. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh yeah. And it's, yeah. And, and so many times it's just like brought me to my knees or just, just knocked the wind out of me and just like, holy cow, like Brendan gets it. Like he gets it. And, mm-hmm. and that's what reminds me that you guys, they're human, they're people and they're trying to do the same thing, but like probably I'm not probably definitely on a much more successful level than me. And I, I'm, trying to learn from them and from you on how to reach people on a positive level to share the best of what we have to offer, because that's what they do every single day. They say they don't give us their best. They're full of shit. They give us their best. Absolutely. Every time I hear that, I'm like, you're lying right now. Like, I seriously think that every time I hear that, I'm like, yeah, but I'm like that's a lie. You're lying. <laughs> I, I think they just say that to say it's for themselves to keep setting the bar higher. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but I just, I have mad respect for everybody that has anything to do with the band, the crew, and I appreciate everything that I've received, and I hope to put it back into the community a hundred times over. Absolutely. I mean, I just, it, and I've said it so many times when I talk to so many people in the community, it's just the, the crew that is behind this band, <sighs> it's, they're just amazing people they're so hardworking. it's just it's the the six members of the band are obviously talented I mean we could go on about that for months <laughs> but yeah the, the fact that they have this backbone behind them you know this and these people like that is such a huge piece of it well what I'm what I find really fascinating is that they were able to, they built like a family Mm -hmm. and then this family is what takes them together and and makes them successful. And so how do you do that? Right. How do you become successful? You treat people the way you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see them do. I see them do this every time I have the privilege of being around them, around the crew. Mm -hmm. I see them treat each other the way that they want to be treated. I see them the the first time, here, here's something crazy, and this blew my mind. Um, the first time I met, like, I say that, like, I met Bayless, and it wasn't like I met him because I feel like, you know, when you're standing in front of him, like, a hundred bazillion times, you're like, you feel like you know someone or, like, you read their lyrics and you feel like you know them. But, like, the first time we had a face-to-face conversation, just him and me, by myself, and he he goes, you know, we have this inside joke, and um, he goes, I can't refer to you as that. What's your real name? Hold him. And he goes, hi, my name is Brendan. And I just looked at him and I smiled and I said, you say that, like, I haven't been staring at you for the last 15 years. <laughs> like, you know, like he was just like the most normal down, like he treated me like, like I'm his equal. And this is how we need to treat each other. We need to treat each other regardless of position, regardless of title, regardless of age, sex, gender, orientation, any of it. We need to treat each other the way we want, to be, we want to be treated, and I think this is what's going to help us raise the collective conscious, put 
love back into this world. I know this sounds like some hippy-dippy stuff right now, but I'm telling you, like, we can't do it alone. We need, we need everybody to just, in every little interaction, hold that door, say hello, smile. Mm. I mean, I, I know it sounds silly, but it's one thing a day. Take one thing a day. It'll, it'll make a difference. And, it's and if not for somebody else, for you. Well, yeah, that's the thing is like, even like holding the door open for somebody, like that other person's going to be appreciative of it, but you're going to be like, damn, that made me feel awesome. You know, like you're uh-huh. going to feel so great and that's going to carry on into like you come home and now you're super happy and your kids are like, oh, hey, mom's like all happy, you know, like it's just one little so, thing. Yeah. So I challenge myself, right? And it's really hard and I fail a lot of days admittedly, but I challenge myself on a day on days when I feel horrible, on days when I've been like, you know, I felt like another human has especially been crappy to me or something. I I try in those days especially if if someone has been especially crappy to me, I've gotta be kind to two people that day to make up for that person. Like that. Because it's not about them it's about trying to make up because I make myself feel better you know it's not about stressing myself out about who I'm going to be nice to that day it's just like if I have a chance if I happen to be doing something you know it's just the little things and we all have the opportunity to do it be considerate of the people around you if you start integrating these things into your life it, it just becomes natural and you teach your children how to be these kind of people mm-hmm. and and then we stop talking about how entitled these young children are, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a generational, it's a daily thing. It's something that we need to do as parents, as people, as humans all the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're so right. Um, all right. I got two more questions for you before we wrap it up. Okay. Um, question number one, what is one cover that you would like to hear Umphreys do that they have not yet covered? Oh, Wow. Oh, wow. That's tough. A cover that they would do that they haven't covered. Well, so, um, I know they do a lot of Zeppelin and I don't know if you're aware that Zeppelin was my first favorite band before Emphreeze was ever born. Um, before Emphreeze was born. <laughs> that's so cute. Before Emphreeze was born. I love Led Zeppelin. Um, and so they've teased they teased Thank You, the song Thank You by Led Zeppelin, but I don't believe that they've ever actually played a full version of Thank You by Led Zeppelin. Um, the reason that I would like them to play Thank You by Led Zeppelin is because um, of all of the Led Zeppelin songs, that one, <laughs> uh, that has a lot of personal meaning to me, but that's also the song I walked it down the aisle to on my wedding day to Michael. So... Yeah, and I would have asked Brendan to come and, you know, play the guitar on my wedding day, but since, you know, I don't have his, like, personal digits or anything, and, I, you know, he's probably busy, um, my brother had to do it for me. So he did really good, though. So, you know, he's no bailiff, but he did really well. Well, so. there is always, you know, when you get renew your vows, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's always- well, I mean, you know, if, if he's listening and, you know, he wants to work like that, that thank you into the words, you know, like to make it up to me for that whole wicked burn at Pittsburgh, then I would be okay with that. But and since we're going to be at Red Rocks, you know, and they're doing that whole Led Zeppelin set, I feel it's like a natural sort of situation to happen. Could, could you, Their last, could you physically handle that though? Like if that happened, like you probably would die. <laughs> like, I mean, 
I mean, is it even really an Umphreys show if I'm not sobbing like a bitch on the rail? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's my church, man. I got to exercise the demons. <laughs> Absolutely. I completely agree. So with that, describe Umphreys McGee in three words. In three words? Three words. Majestic as fuck. <laughs> I love you. Can I say that? Is that allowed? Oh, you're so allowed to swear in here. You can say whatever you want. It's okay. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, that's like literally what just popped into my head. Like majestic as fuck. Like there's just literally no other way. Like I can't. That's amazing. I can't. <laughs> yeah. I'm Freeze McGee. Majestic as fuck. If you don't like what they're wait, if what they're playing, wait five minutes. It'll change and be totally something different. I think we need that also t shirt like Umphreys McGee, majestic as fuck. Somebody needs to make that t shirt, please. Yo, Witty, where are you at? <laughs> Sam Sutton, we need t shirts. <laughs> Ryan Ryan will be listening to this. He Ryan is my biggest fan, man. I love that fucking dude. He is my I know, family. me too. He's a Ryan up in Alaska right now, we love you. Yeah, so you know. Absolutely. Love you so much, dude. Thank you for all your support and love for everything. Like he's he's amazing. He's the greatest. Yeah, get your butt to Red Rocks, sir. We'll see you there. For sure, for sure. And I will see you there too. I'm so excited. I can't wait. It's my first I can't wait either. I can't wait to give you the biggest hug and thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity today. I really hope that I can help some people and if not, at least I got the opportunity to hang out with you on the phone for an hour and if there's ever anything I can do to help you or anyone, please let me know. Absolutely. And I'm I'm so grateful to have this platform to give you a space to to talk about this and and I know that this will touch at least one person listening. So Thank you for, for sharing yours and Michael's story and pass that along to him because I'm sure it's 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 not easy for him. So very grateful. No, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's he's actually working today and I told him I was doing this today and he's like, thank you so much and please, you know, like let Sarah know I really appreciate it and it's hard for him to put into words. He's much more of a um, introvert than I am. Yeah. That's why I told him, I'm like, you know, you're not born this loud for no reason. So there, he's, I, I do want to put out there though, that he is aware of every single word that was said today and on board with all of it. And none of this is coming from me by myself. This is all very much a message from the both of us. And if I know it's a very rare chance that his children will ever even hear this, but if they do, Rebecca, Nathan, your dad loves you so much, and I can't wait to meet you someday. Thank you. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Sarah. I really appreciate it, and I can't wait to see you on the rock. Absolutely. Okay. Take care. Mad love, girl. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. So that's all I have for this episode of the show. Any of the resources that Julie referenced during our chat can be found in the show notes, as well as how you can contact her if you would like to. If you have any questions or comments about anything talked about in this episode or any other episode, please feel free to reach out. How you can do that is also in the show notes. And I just wanted to thank all of you so, so much for joining me. I will see you around these parts next week. Much obliged.